Hello again, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Catfish Corner. I'm Paul Scribita, the Predators beat writer for the Tennessee, and joined by the esteemed Tennessee columnist Gentry Estes, who's been kind enough to take part of his day to chat with us about some Predators and NHL things going on. Uh, this episode, we're, we're going to talk about a lot. We're going to cover a lot of ground and hopefully not too much time, Gentry. We'll talk about the First of all, I mean, are the Predators better than we think? Um, we'll, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about the, how the sellout streak has ended, which is not just a Nashville thing, but it's across the NHL. We're seeing it. You wrote something about that uh, last night. I think that was published this morning or last night, or I can't keep up anymore. Um, we'll I'll talk talk a little bit about the Predators. Uh, all of a sudden, their power play is good again. Um, and UC Saros and Ryan Johansson and Matt Duchesne and a long road trip coming up. So we... Got a lot to cover, but we'll we'll start off with, um, you know, the we we've been noticing since the beginning of the season, with with the exception of opening night, that there have been a lot of empty seats inside Bridgestone Arena, um, you know, and, and we haven't had the opportunity to travel to too many other places, uh, you know, in recent months or you know even last season, but um, it's been noticeable. Um, and then last night, finally, uh, the sellout streak ended officially. Um, and, and, and who knows how we define these things, right, Gentry? I mean, it's tickets allotted, tickets sold, tickets accounted for. Um, I, I look at butts and seats, and th- there's not butts in all the seats, uh, which has been a change from, you know, recent few years. Um, and again, not just a Nashville thing, but you had some thoughts about that, and, and I, I, I don't want to get too deep into it because it's kind of a, a you know, hot-button topic. But, I mean, you, you, you kind of – so tell me a little bit about what, what you think, what your impressions are about why that might be. Yeah, well, f- well, first off, I, I think, you know, obviously, if you've if you've been out there to a game this season, you've certainly uh, outside of maybe opening night, there's been empty seats in, in each game. And it really did feel like a matter of time before that uh, that sellout streak was was going to was going to die on them. And I, I think. You know, Tuesday night against the San Jose Sharks with the Braves playing game one of the World Series. Yeah, that made some sense that it would be that. And um, but actually, that, you know, that's think, not. But that's not. That's not the main reason people don't you know the the vocal uh, people out there uh, are. Well, yeah, I, 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 I mean, I mean you, look, you could blame it on the fact the team's not going to be any good. You could blame it on the the fact that you know they're they're mandating vaccinations for people to, to be at Bridgestone. I think that's the popular one and the one you're yeah. hearing a lot of, I told you so is about. Um, and I think there's probably something to it in both of those. You know, obviously the Preds low expectations. I think the, um, level of enthusiasm for the season's a good bit lower uh, than maybe some previous ones and it's tangible. But if you look around the league right now, Paul, everyone's having these issues. Uh, look, the, the, yeah, the I mean, Blackhawks the- and Penguins both had streaks broken already. Of all, I mean, the Blackhawks was over 500 games, and, and the Penguins were over 600 games. The Predators were at 192, which is impressive. Started, I think, in 2016. Um, you know, but I, I think you're right. I think the truth lies somewhere in, in the middle, but we certainly know that we're going to hear from the crowd that, you know, uh, you know, the anti-vax crowd, and I shouldn't have to get tested crowd, and, and you know, and the anti-maskers. And, and to be honest with you, you know, look, when you walk around Bridgestone and there's 16,000 people or 15,000 people in there, uh, I would guess that I didn't count them, but I would guess that 13,000 of them aren't wearing a mask. Um, you know, I, and I don't want to get into debates about all that. I mean, you know, people have their own, make their own decisions and make their own choices. And, and I respect that. 
and, and you know I respect the fact that people have their own opinions about it. Um, but I think you're right. The the truth does lie somewhere in the middle. And look, I mean, this team isn't isn't expected to be as good. We also went through. People got a taste last season of living without going to hockey games for the most part. Um, you know, they got a taste of, of 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 a different. We all got a taste of a different life, right? And when when we went 18 months without live sporting events being a part of most of our lives, uh, we, we learned to do other, we learned to do other things and spend our money and our time other ways. So, you know, I think it's a combination of a lot of things. I don't think it's that big of a deal. I don't think fans are going to stop coming to Bridgestone, you know, and it's not again, not just a Nashville thing. Right. So, you know, it's, it's just, it's, I think it's one of those things where, you know, it's going to take time for people to come back. Um, you know, and if the team is good, I don't have any doubt that Bridgestone will be full again. So, you know, it is what it is. But I did, you know, I thought it was worth mentioning that, you know, it's 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 been obvious um, for some time that it was coming. But um, I'd like to talk about something a little more positive and less polarizing, uh, if we could, for a second. And that's uh, Connor Ingram, Predators goalie, made his NHL debut, um, I think, on Sunday. And uh, played a heck of a game, and Predators win. But you know the the look. We often don't we we, we don't root for teams, right? I, you know, in our job, we we kind of just try to stay as neutral as we can. But we always root for great stories. And, and in my opinion, you know, Connor Ingram is, you know, what at least Sunday and up to this point, a great story. I mean, the guy was thrown away by Tampa Bay. You know, he had. He had attitude problem. He had a mouth on him. He had whatever issues he had with Tampa. They they traded him to the Predators for basically nothing. Um, he's a two-time AHL All-Star. I mean, he's he's proven that he can play the game at a high level. And um, the Predators decided, you know, that hey, we'll, we'll trade for this guy. And with uh, David Riddick on on the COVID reserve list, Ingram got his chance in the second of a back-to-back and made the most of it. I'd say. Here's a guy nine months to the day that he en- voluntarily entered the player assistance program uh, in the in the NHL's player assistance program. And that's that's for you know that's how players and their families with with not only drug and alcohol abuse but also mental health uh, concerns. Um, you know, we're and you know due to a lot of for a lot of reasons, privacy reasons, we don't know exactly what the reason is that he entered, but he entered it voluntarily. Nine months later, he's starting his first NHL game and and. I, you know, I asked Roman Yossi afterward, and he said it was pretty emotional in the locker room. These guys have been around. Connor spent all summer in Nashville, um, you know, knowing that he's going to spend, likely spend most of the year in Milwaukee. And, you know, here he got to realize his dream um, that, you know, playing in the NHL and not only playing, but, I mean, playing well. Yeah, it's a, it's a nice story um, for sure. And, and uh, you know, Props to him. Yeah, I mean, he, to, to come in and, and get a – that was a big, big win for the Predators. Uh, to, to win that game in Minnesota against a team I that, as we record this, I don't think has lost another game this season. Yeah, they had come from behind. and They were 4-0 and at that point and had come from behind to win every game. And and he wasn't, you know he, – he claimed afterward that it was, you know, eh, my job was easy, you know, be, being humble. But he, he made some really, really nasty saves, and, and he was a big reason why they were able to win. So – um, but hey, hey, I always root for, for the great stories. You know, I'm, we're, we're all human beings at the end of the day, and you know, I, I think Connor has a lot to. I, 
we haven't had the opportunity to get to know him at all. Um, and I've only spoken to him on a couple of occasions, but you know, just, he, just it's just a great human interest story. It's just, it's, it's, how could you not, how could you not want the guy to succeed, you know, and, you know, hopefully he continues down this, this path and, and becomes a full-time goal in the NHL at some point in his, his career or a full-time NHL player, at least. Um, but, you know, I, Hey, I, I'm of the opinion that I, I take the good when we can get it. And, and that's, that to me is, is a great story and not a great story. <laughs> uh, speaking of not so great stories is, a uh, uh, Chicago Blackhawks, uh, or the market for a new general manager and, uh, uh, a shedding image of basically what happened was what 11 years ago they didn't a, a player an assistant coach was accu- uh, accused of sexually assaulting a player and the team basically swept it under the rug for a few weeks until they were done with their Stanley Cup final run uh, and here we are 11 years later and people are now just starting to pay the consequences for that uh, including Stan Bowman who was general manager for three you know, three Stanley Cup runs, who resigned, and 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 all kinds of all kinds of dominoes are falling, and some still might fall. And this is why I bring it up, Gentry, because I don't want to get into all the details about it. It's um, it's pathetic the way that it was handled, and and I'm glad that finally there's you know some semblance of justice being served. But uh, to me, if Joel Quenville um, uh, coaches any longer in the NHL, I think the problem has not completely been addressed. Quenville knew about these allegations and basically in, in, in the, you know, what was found in the investigation was that he, he knew about it and he basically encouraged the team to just not let it be a distraction while they're in the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, That's, that's your biggest question right now is the coach of the Florida Panthers, who arguably one of the best teams in the NHL right now is, is really going to have a hard time keeping his job on this one. Um, I, as we record this Paul on a, on a Wednesday evening, he He's... was set, set to coach the Panthers tonight, but he was going to meet with Gary Bettman tomorrow. I don't know what comes of that. That's an odd situation where you see the head coach meeting directly hey, with a commissioner. It, it is gentry. Hey, why, you know what? Why didn't the commissioner just tell, Hey Joel, why don't you sit this one out? You know, and why don't you sit this one out till we talk? I, I, I don't right. un- that I don't understand that. You know, what is so pressing that this man has to, you know, he can't miss one game so that he can meet with the, you know, until he meets with the commissioner and a decision can be made or however long that decision takes. You know, I, I Gary Bettman has a lot of power and he's not been afraid to wield it. And now is the time he should be wielding it. And I hope that he does the right thing. And that's not a personal thing with Joel Quenneville. Look, I covered the man for, for two or three years. I, you know, I don't have any personal you know, beefs with the guy, but if what in that if what's in that invest in that report from the investigation is true, um, it's pretty black and white. I mean, the man should not be anywhere near the NHL. Um, and and you, you know, and the thing is, it's like the whole idea of we don't want to have it be a distraction during a cup run. Was there no one else on the team that could cut up video? Because that's basically what this guy did, right? He was like the video guy. Well, and Quenville, you know, from this, based on this report, you know, but that was done by this law, this investigation done by this law firm, it was a 127 page report or something like that. Um, I read through most of it, um, and it, a lot of damning things in there. And one of them being, you know, Quenville gave this guy a positive review, and they and and the Blackhawks, you know, allowed him to resign, but then allowed him to celebrate, you know, the bring the cup 
for you know a day with the cup. This is a man who was convicted of sexual assault on a, a minor not too long after all this. I mean, the, by not basically by not speaking up and speaking out when when it happened, they allow this pattern of behavior to continue. That's and bad, very very bad, bad yes, situation. Very bad. And 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 again, that's why I, I believe you know all parties should be held accountable to the highest degree. And I'm not trying to be on a high horse. Everybody makes mistakes, and you know everybody. You know, live. Sometimes they live in the moment. And they don't think about what they're doing. But, I mean, look, this is 11 years gone by now, right? And and you have to think by this point, you know, a lot of these people thought that they had gotten away with it or didn't think what they did was wrong. And you know, cancel culture or whatever you want to call it, like, you know, justice is justice and right is right. I don't care how much time goes by. And I, you know, I I I feel for the for the victims involved and and I'm I'm happy that you know I hope that they're finding some peace in, in, in some of this but we all know that their lives have been you know if not permanently affected at least affected in the long term by this and you know it, it's uh, the, the swift right action is obvious and that's not always taken yeah and you know I mean as as with any you see this unfortunately in sports and you've seen it before where you know the success of the team is put ahead of Let's, what's uh, right talk about some positives the predators power play all of a sudden uh they have a power play which now they're you know the last time we talked i am not sure they I think they were one and three or one and four they're they're three and four now they've won a couple games in a row um that duchene has three i think three power play goals which is more than he had last year and uh you know ryan johansson scoring on the power play so look the predators are not an offensive juggernaut but they are definitely um you know relying a lot on uc saros and the power play to win games two to you know two to one games like they won last night um it it's that could be if they can keep it up you know that, that could be a a uh, kind of a secret weapon that they haven't had in the past because their power play has been bad. You know, I, I think there's several reasons to look at how the season has gone so far. And, and look, it's early, obviously, uh, no matter too early to draw any conclusions, but there are a few reasons to look at the Preds so far and say, Hey, they might not be quite as terrible as everybody thought they were going to be. One of those has been the power play. And in particular, in my opinion, the contributions of Matt Duchesne and Ryan Johansson on said power play. They, you know, two guys, two guys that, country who were taken off the power play during the playoffs last season. Exactly. So to see the growth this year, it's, you know, look, we, we have all taken turns cri- criticizing these guys because of the money they make and the production. And, and, and that's a, that's a, that's an old theme, but a, a, a with a, a justified theme merit to it. <laughs> yeah, for, for a while now for that team. So I, I think the fact that the two of them have had pretty good starts to the season is about as encouraging as you could expect anything to be at this point for the Predators. Because if if, if there weren't, the list isn't long, Paul, of ways we looked at this season and said, you know, gosh, here's the ceiling, here's the upside, here's how this could get pretty good. But one of the ways that they could... Outperform expectations would be if those two players outperformed expectations. So far, I'm not going to say it's been wild, but it's success. But it's been you know reasonably successful so far. I, I'll I'll just say this, or at least if they played 
close to expectations or close to their contracts, which, you know, they, they haven't the last few years. And the way I look at it is, and I've said this for the last couple of years going into every season, if Duchesne and Johansson can play at least close to their contracts, it's going to be like the Predators got two free agents, two big free agent signings, because those guys at, at their peak have not been present for the Predators for the last couple of seasons. So now they all of a sudden have two $8 million a year players who, if they're playing like that, those are two guys they haven't had the last couple of seasons. Yeah, they've been there in body, but they have not been there in production. So, you know, that that was always a big wild card for me was, you know, I know they lost Arvidsson. I know they lost Ellis. I, you know, I know Pekka retired. I, I, you know, I don't think UC is Pekka, but I, I wasn't really worried too much about the goaltending. More so, you know, those guys being able, if those guys could play close to their potential and close to their contracts, that would be a huge improvement for this team without having to do anything. It's like an addition by doing nothing. Um, I, I actually asked John Hines about the power play, uh, you know, what, what, the difference is, and it wasn't that quite as a generic of a question, but his immediate response to me was, this is going to be a long answer. Um, and he talked a lot about the details of the power play. He talked, but one of the things he mentioned to me was, what stuck out to me was, um, in the past have been very predictable. And he said, it's fine to be predictable uh, within your own room, knowing what everybody else is going to do on the power play, but it's awful to be predictable for the other team. And, and that's what they've been. And the reason for that was, a lot of the guys were going to a lot of the same spots, doing a lot of the same things over and over again. And other teams knew what they were going to do before they even did it. Now they have guys, you know, it's not always Forsberg in the same spot and Johansson in the same spot and Yossi in the same spot. I mean, these guys are moving around. It's a fluid situation. And they're instead of instead of reacting, they're being proactive and they're making other teams kind of try to guess what they're going to do. Um, and that's it's paid off. They have seven power play goals, Gentry. Second most in the league. I know it's you know they're only seven games into the season, but man, if they can keep up that pace or even close to it, that they're going to be in games. Yeah, I, and I mean, you know, look, I, I think most people would have expected going into this season that if the Predators were going to find success, it was going to be a lot like the second half of last season, which was winning low-scoring games as a result of UC Soros playing out of his mind. That was probably your best bet going into the season. But if they're able to have if they're able to have nights like Sunday in Minnesota where you have a defenseman in Roman Yossi get four points, which, by the way, we can talk about Yossi and how he's playing so far because it, early as it is, I mean, some of the passes he's made to set up, even the goals Tuesday night were set up by Roman Yossi. Oh, yeah, he's, 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 he's everywhere. He is, you know... Worth every bit of the new contract that he signed. He he's, I mean, he's just that solid. I mean, rock solid guy that you you know what you're going to get out of him, and it's going to be great. He makes very few mistakes, and you know I think a lot of times we we don't even talk about him a lot because we just that's what we expect from him, right? I mean, that's the, you know the the bar is high, and he hits it almost every time, and. Uh, you almost take for granted. I mean, sometimes I sit back and, you know, sometimes you sit back and watch him just in a hockey sense. And it's like, Oh my gosh, like this, this guy is just he, so much better than everybody. He else. had, he had one play Tuesday. He didn't convert it, but I don't know if you remember this where he basically took on three or four players by himself and got pretty close to getting a shot on goal doing it. You remember yeah, what yeah. I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, he, and he does that all the time. He's like a forward <laughs> out there on D, who, who plays pretty decent defense. I mean, he, Look, 
there's a reason he's leading this team in shots on goal every year for the last five years, or I don't even know how many years. I mean, you know, his position is defenseman, but he's just a menace to other teams. And he just one of those guys who's, you know, there are a lot of guys on other teams that I I, I enjoy watching. Um, And Roman's always been a guy, you know, even when I wasn't covering the Predators, that, you know, I find myself, instead of watching the game, sometimes I just find myself just watching what he's doing. And and that, that's that's unusual for me, uh, for a guy to be able to kind of grab my attention like that, because I, I just, you know, it, it takes a lot. But um, I wanted to wrap up with uh, the Predators have a, they're, they're at home on Thursday. Um, I'm sorry, home on Saturday. Today is, uh, well, yeah, today's Wednesday. I don't even know what day it is, but they're, they're home Saturday. Um and then they're going to go on the road for quite some time. I think they have one home game in the first three weeks of November, something like that. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. From uh, November 2nd through November 20th, they have the one home game against Arizona. That's it. And, and that's, that's six in a row on the road, home game, then three in Canada. Yeah. And, and I think um, uh, that's tough. You know, it is tough, and I, and I think that we're going to find out a lot about the Predators in November. We're going to find out, I think when you look at the end of November, either they're going to be in a hole they can't dig out of or they're going to, they're going to be have, have exceeded expectation. Uh, I think this could be, I hate to use the word season, defi- the term season defining, but I think this is going to tell us a lot about where the Predators might end up at the end of the season with how this road trip goes. Yeah, I mean, I think we would assume... Uh, some struggles, but, but we'll, we'll see, you know, that this, I, I remember last year we had essentially given up on the predators and they went on a long road trip. And that was the moment of last season that they all went back saying where things turned around for them. So I guess, well, I uh, mean, t- to be fair, Gentry, they had less than 1% chance of making the playoffs at that point. <laughs> so I, I, I don't think it was giving up on them. I, I think it was, you know, being realistic and they, yeah. you know, they, they proved, they proved those statistics wrong, but I would still. I'm gonna, you know, 99 years out of 100, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with with our gut instinct on that one. That's just purely based on the numbers. But I mean, look. I mean, you know, we're sitting here, and and I think I am actually cautiously optimistic about what we've seen from the Predators so far this season, and we've been generally. The two of us aren't exactly the most optimistic people on a daily basis, <laughs> but we're we've actually had a pretty optimistic podcast here, and they're three and you know, they're three and four. I mean, I, losing I, record as we sit here and say all this stuff. So let's let's the, the realistic part of it is they lost four of their first five games. The last couple of games have been pretty good, but still a, an awful lot left to prove from this team. And yeah, to, to be on a road trip like that added to the fact that the home game before they launched this road trip is against the New York Islanders, who a lot of people thought you know was going to be in contention to play for the Stanley Cup this year. Yeah, I, I think. Look, I mean, it's one of those things where I think, like I said, I, I'm looking at. I look at ten, you know, ten games, fifteen games, twenty games. That's where you could start seeing trends develop, and you could start seeing habits formed and good and bad. Um, I think this team has been, for the most part, really good defensively. Had really good goaltending, gotten really good special teams play, um, and they're going to need to do all those little things right because they just aren't going to go out there and outscore people. And you know, they're going to have to prove it on the road. And well, like I said, I, I'm going to stand by where they come out of this road trip is near where they're going to be at the end of the season is my prediction. That's it. That's all you got. That's it. That's all we got. All right. Well, 
That'll do it for this edition of Catfish Corner. We hope you subscribe to the Tennessean.com if you haven't already. If you haven't, why not? Remember to uh, subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever it is you get your podcasts. I always get my podcasts from an app called Podcasts. Um, drop us a review and a rating while you're at it. For Gentry Estes, I'm Paul Scarvino. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Bye.